Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Listen, managers are part of the feedback problem, and guess what? HR is too. First of all, osmosis is ineffective. How can people know your expectations and meet them if they don't even know what they are? And how can people respect managers if HR resolves all employee problems? So for your HR folks listening today, please get out of the way. You are there to assist managers, to guide them, keep them in the boundaries of the organization's um, standards and policies, but managers should be having these conversations with employees, not HR. You usually have very limited HR staff, possibly only one. How could an HR person solve uh, performance and behavior issues for 100 employees when you only have one HR person? The manager should be handling this conversation. However, managers do need to know the structure of what expect is expected in your organization. You need to give managers a map and a compass. Um, you need to make sure that all their feedback is fact-based and that it is follow-up up in writing. I don't care if it's in an email, as long as an employee has company email. Make sure that it's in writing. When you see things in writing, they suddenly become real, and it's the same way for employees. Let's talk about the fact-based part, though. Managers need to make sure when they're in feedback conversations, they try not to use words like always and never. If you say you are always late, all they have to do is come in time, come into work on time once and they've disproved that theory. Uh, same thing for never, right? So uh, the, these absolute words divert the listener's focus from the topic at hand, which weakens the entire conversation. So we want to make sure we try not to use the words always and never because they're often exaggerations. Also, going back to the fact-based conversations, is this conversation that the manager is having with the employee, is it the actual truth or is it an opinion or even based off a of gossip? For example, you might have an employee a peer who reports an issue to a manager on another employee. The manager doesn't confirm this information with anyone and then jumps in and, you know, holds the other employee accountable. And it turns out it wasn't even truth. It could be something that an, uh, the peer was jealous or they just don't like their person. They're a drama ridden person. Want to make sure managers confirm information all the time. Why? If this ends up in court, it's going to be thrown out and your company is going to be paying quite a bit of money for possibly terminating somebody based on false information. Need to make sure your employees or your managers are getting fact-based information in these feedback sessions. Also, let's talk about criticism. Criticism is not feedback. Criticism assumes your way is the better way and inhibits the brain from learning. The brain actually responds to negative feedback as a threat, and it scientifically narrows its activity. So when people, and this works at home too, when people are no longer paying attention to you, it's because their brain is saying, this person is a threat, 
and I am going to stop listening to you. If you cannot, if you or your managers cannot focus on positivity or positive outcomes and positive experiences with an employee, it may be time to remove that employee from the, from the company. But give them a chance first because the manager may just not know to have, how to have positive conversations. Our brain functions in a way that we don't even think about it functioning, right? Every day we do things and our brain just sends us in that direction. There is an actual science behind this, this um, option of people, their brains narrowing um, down because you are negative and you are seen as a threat. I often hear, you know, why can't people just do their jobs? Well, what actually drives people to do their jobs is our need for accountability. Fear, negativity, threats, our brain drives us away from that. It moves us away from fear, but our brain also drives us towards satisfaction. Fear is based on a survival needs and is a very poor long-term motivator. On the other hand, satisfaction actually taps into a human sense of self and when done well, that positive accountability satisfies both relationships and efforts. So think about that. Next time you have a manager being incredibly negative and fear-based in their motivation, now there's sometimes there's there's time for fear, right? There's a safety issue. There's violence going on. We do might have to put a little bit of fear to get people out of that situation. But generally speaking, again, it is a not a long-term motivator. It is very short-term and it drives people away from that manager, that department, and possibly your entire organization. Another item that I want to talk about is just to provide you with six tips to addressing performance or behavior issues. If you have an employee problem that needs to be had, be handled. Behavior is just as important as performance. I hope you got that message so far. Um, in some cases, behavior has a much greater impact on the entire company than performance. A company culture is built by what the worst behaving or performing employee can get away with. And that's the sad truth. Six tips to address performance or behavior issues. And if you follow these six tips, you will most likely keep yourself out of court, be crystal clear with employees about what it is expected, and your managers in the end will be less stressed because they're following these steps. So number one, identify the behavior, performance, or the action, or the lack of that is expected. So identifying crystal clear what it is, which means you have to be paying attention and you have to go and gather facts not gossip, not drama, not rumors. Number two, identify the impact on the team or on the bottom line, for example. So you're going to talk to your employees, say, you acted like this, which is in violation of our company values. Number one, identifying the behavior or action. Number two, because you did this, this affected our team, our project schedule, our morale, an employee went home because of that and now we're behind a production, so number two. Number three, identify the change expected. Be very detailed and specific and make no assumptions that they know what you're talking about. So the change that is expected could be 
you cannot act this way ever again, or you need to improve um, productivity. You need to increase productivity by 5%. So be as specific and detailed as possible. Number five, number four, I'm sorry, identify a deadline for this change. And in some cases, yes, it absolutely can be effective right now. That's usually with behavior. Uh, performance, not always, because you may have to put in some training and development in order for them to meet that knowledge, skill, or ability that you are expecting. So make sure you identify a deadline. I see people, managers, forgetting this part. And then the employee is like, well, there's no deadline for me to stop acting this way or stop performing this way or start acting this way and start performing this way. So I'll just take care of that next quarter. Number five, identify a consequence if change does not happen. This is also very important. I see this a lot. I'll look at people's uh, employees, managers' documentation, and nowhere in there does it say, if you do or do not do this, you may be terminated or you may be demoted. So a consequence needs to be very crystal clear in there. So a consequence, a deadline, detailed change and expect it, what the impact is on the team, the bottom line, whatever it might be, and that crystal clear identification of the behavior or action or the lack of. And then number six, when this all goes through, hopefully swimmingly well, celebrate the change between you and your employee. I knew we were going to be able to get through this. Great job. Let's move forward. Unfortunately, it may be the opposite. You may have to implement the consequence. I wouldn't say celebrate that. You don't ever want to, you know, celebrate demoting somebody or celebrate terminating somebody, but you do want to acknowledge that this is happening and then be professional and do not talk about and exiting employees' um, performance or behavior to other employees. You may want to do that, say like, hey team, I stuck up for you, but please don't do that because that may get you in trouble in court, which we're going to talk about soon. Why is it important to have these you know, six steps? And why is it important to have them in writing? Because many people do not take verbal warning seriously. But a written documentation of these six steps, or really five steps, because the sixth one's going to be implementing the consequence or celebrating the change, the written documentation signals your brain that this is serious. Also, you are now protecting the company. You want to cover your assets when, when and if the time comes that you have to make a change in the role, including termination. Next up, let's talk about employment law and why this is important in ongoing reviews and feedback conversations. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.